1: At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing and hours of operation may vary. See centre for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.
2: The Englishman's box is wooden.
0: It's about, uh, what, a a metre squared, I'd say. About a metre squared, Mm -hmm. yes.
2: The little Irish girl's is cardboard.
1: It's quite a small little kind of silver cardboard box and it has kind of this image of this very carefree woman wearing the fashions of that period around 1917.
2: The Englishman's box contained a bobbin on which was rolled an incredible document, a giant scroll. Visually, it's a
3: stunning document. It's larger than life, I think you'd have to say.
2: The little Irish girl's box contained seashells given to her by her mother.
1: There's billions and billions of these shells in the world but these shells somehow are transformed and become special.
2: His box was given to the Englishman at a lavish ceremony in Dublin. The little girl's mother gave her her box on a beach in North Dublin. The Englishman was Lord Morpeth. The little Irish girl was Barbara MacDonagh. Lord Morpeth was Chief Secretary of Ireland in the mid 1800s. We don't normally remember men like him with great fondness in this country, but as researcher Patrick Cosgrove explains, Morpeth was different.
3: He was quite popular, it was probably down to a lot of his policies. Catholics started to receive jobs in government, in the judiciary, um, in the the civil service. So there was kind of an opening up of opportunities for particularly the Catholic middle class. The catchphrase of Morpeth's administration was justice to Ireland.
2: That attitude to Ireland didn't do Morpeth any favours back home in England. At the 1841 election, he lost his seat and his party were thrown out of power in favour of the Tories. So he had to step down as Chief Secretary of Ireland. When it was time for him to leave, his friends decided to throw him a banquet. And at that banquet, they were going to present him with a farewell card. In those days, this took the form of a so-called illuminated scroll, an elaborately decorated document extolling the recipient's virtues and signed on the bottom by all their friends. So, a month before the banquet, the committee got up an illuminated scroll and sent it around the country, and it was signed, and signed, and signed, and signed
4: approximately 200,000
3: people signed it before he left Ireland. There are numerous places in Dublin where they could sign it. You could add the commercial buildings. You could also at the Freeman's Journal the newspaper and other newspaper offices. People could go and actually sign their name onto the address. How do we
2: know that the 200,000 people signed the document of their own free will?
4: I think we can presume, given the man's popularity in Ireland at that particular moment in time... Now Terence know, Dooley, historian. It is a farewell to somebody who obviously was very popular in Ireland because of his reforms, and that it's quite genuine.
2: In the end, they had 600 sheets of signatures, all of which were glued into one long strip and rolled onto a bobbin. If you can imagine a
4: gigantic bobbin with... 429 metres of paper wrapped around it. 429 metres is three times Croke Park.
3: You know, if all these names and signatures were just in a series of books, it wouldn't be as half as impressive.
2: Now, 200,000 Irish people writing their names on an enormous scroll in 1841 was an expression of affection for Morpeth, but they also had an ulterior motive.
3: I think it's also very much a political document in that it's an endorsement of Morpeth's term of office, his the way Ireland was was run, maybe a message to an incoming Tory government that you know this is how Ireland should be governed.
2: Morpeth brought his scroll in the large wooden box back to his home in Yorkshire, Castle Howard. You may remember it was the setting for the Brideshead Revisited programme.
4: Castle Howard has been the home of the Howard family since the house was built in 1699, The Howard family are one of those proverbial families who never threw anything away, so the archive is huge.
2: This is Christopher Ridgway, the curator of Castle Howard. One day, he decided to open the box and see what was inside it.
4: If you walk past a a strange-looking box with a lid often enough, curiosity's going to get the better of you, and you open the lid, and then you see something that is rather odd inside it, a great big spool, in effect... You then start to think, well, is this an object or is this a document? Well, the great thing about the Morpeth roll is it's both.
3: Hello, Patrick. Hello. Hi, Patrick, is it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, come
4: in. OK. 150
2: years after it left the country, Morpeth's roll was sent back to Ireland to NUI Minute. I
3: just wouldn't mind signing in and then the roll is down at the end
2: where Paul Horry is doing some conservation work on it.
0: The paper is in fairly good condition. There are some um, stains on it.
2: Was there one thing that you spotted? Was there something that came out of it and you said to yourself, God, that's amazing?
0: Well, there were a couple of things. There was a little, you might call it a sticker, stuck to the edge of one of the sheets on the roll, and it contained um, a crucifix, and it had uh, written underneath it, Our Hope. You know, and it's it suggested something of the perhaps the feeling of people in terms of what they hoped to achieve by signing this, you know, which was I think they were looking for an independence and they were hoping that this would bring it on. The second thing that struck me was discovering my own family name on it. I wasn't looking for it. I was looking at damage on the edge of a sheet and suddenly I, I could see I'm thinking to myself, Why is my name there? and um, I looked and there there were two names, um, two hoary names on the list and I was blown away by the, the name is rare enough and, you know, that it's from Ballinasloe or thereabouts and that's near where my family come from.
2: There's O'Neill and there's, hmm, can't read that one, there's Kennedy. In one of the libraries in Maynooth, a section of the roll is laid out under plastic on a long table. Several people have gathered around to read it. They're all attending a nearby conference on historic houses.
0: Charles Bianconi here, Clonmel, you know the, yeah. the transport person.
2: One of those leaning over the scroll is Brian Crowley from the Pierce Museum in
1: Dublin. Traditionally you wouldn't think that you know chief secretaries were that popular in Ireland in, in the 19th century.
2: He's just given a talk on objects in history. His favourite object, he said, was that eau de cologne box owned by Barbara McDonagh. Barbara was born in 1915. Her mother was Muriel Gifford and her father was Thomas McDonough, one of the leaders of the 1916 Rising, who was executed. A year after her father's death, Barbara, then a two-year-old, and her brother went on holidays to Skerrys with her mother and other relatives.
1: Muriel was on the beach with Barbara and apparently gathered some shells and put them in an old eau de cologne box and gave them to uh, Barbara to play with while she went in for a swim. And while Muriel was in swimming, she seemed to have got into difficulties and uh, her heart gave out and she, she died out at sea. Barbara... ...and the shells were scooped up by other family members. And she kept these shells then for the rest of her life.
2: The English Lord Morpeth and the Irish orphan Barbara had two very different boxes but both use them for the same purpose, remembering.
4: I'm sure Lord Morpeth used to bring out the first 20 feet and show to friends
1: now and then. It's kind of interesting across cultures as well that people invest inanimate objects with emotional feeling. You have things on the very grand scale like Lord Morpeth's role, which is a very public and very obvious memory of a moment in time. And then you have something which is much, I suppose, a much quieter object, much more personal, like like the shells. But what's interesting is how people use objects as a way of holding on to the past.